What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. Tom Harbin here with you. The Green New Deal is, uh, you know, it's before Congress. Actually, uh, uh, it's just a resolution that says, you know, we'd kind of like to do this. It would be kind of cool. Convert the nation to renewable energy sources rather than fossil fuels build an energy-efficient smart grid, upgrade buildings to become more energy-efficient, repair and upgrade the nation's infrastructure, invest in drawing down greenhouse gases, a variety of ways to do that, most having to do with agriculture, actually, and make the U.S. a major exporter, the world's number one exporter of green technology. I think this is just an extraordinary opportunity for America. And, you know, it's, it's an extension. It's just a, a new iteration, frankly of what Dwight Eisenhower did, of what Franklin Roosevelt did, and what Lyndon Johnson did. And, and in each case, it built this country. It made America. I mean, it, it jumped, it catapulted us, those things, ahead of every other country in the world. So Senator Sanders dropped by and proclaimed his candidacy for president. Basically, what I'm seeing right now is the Democratic Party returning to its roots, returning to the core of the Democratic, the modern day Democratic Party, the last hundred, last century of the Democratic Party, which was established by FDR and was expanded and built by LBJ, setting aside the Vietnam War. And now it's time to go the next step, right? And, you know, whether it's Bernie or whoever it may be, we've got some great progressive candidates there. But Bernie, four or five years ago, created a space for a conversation. Four, five years ago, when Bernie first introduced Medicare for All in the United States Senate, not one senator co-sponsored it. Not one Democrat would join him. One example of many, you know, the $15 minimum wage, the Green New Deal, breaking up the Wall Street banks, free tuition of public colleges, paid family and medical leave, gender pay equity, stopping corporate money in elections, labor laws to encourage union membership, expanding Social Security, legalizing pot, ending cash bail. There's some serious stuff there. As Robert Reich said in a piece in The Guardian, in which he was not endorsing Bernie, he was simply saying, and I agree with the sentiment. He said, Sanders has done more than any other politician in modern America to sound the alarm and mobilize the public to reclaim our democracy and our economy. And I agree with Robert Reich in that regard. You know, whether Bernie's the nominee or not, it's, it's going to be a great time. So that said, there are a few other issues here that I wanted to get into with you as well. There's a piece of the New York Times titled Time to Panic. It's by David Wallace Wells. He's got a new book out called The Uninhabitable Earth, Life After Warming. And the subtitle is The Planet is Getting Warmer in Catastrophic Ways, and Fear May Be the Only Thing That Saves Us. You know, climate change is actually a, a real emergency, not a phony baloney one like Trump's wall. The planet has already warmed one degree. Two degrees could be a civilization-ending event. It could throw us back to the Stone Age. Right now, that one degree of warming is killing people all over the world and is getting worse far faster than anybody except the real doomsayers were projecting. The worst case expectations. Every five years, the IPCC does a report. And every year, they offer best case, probable case, and worst case scenarios. And every year, 
every five years, when we look back at the last report from five years previously, what has happened has been worse than the worst case scenario. I'm pretty sure without exception. We're going to have Michael Mann on in a couple of days, day after tomorrow, uh, to talk a little more about this. But this is literally killing people. I mean, Americans are dying, whether it's in wildfires in California or mile-wide tornadoes in Oklahoma or hurricanes in Puerto Rico and in Florida and the Gulf of Mexico. Americans literally are dying. People around the world are dying. Climate refugees are a thing now. It's real. The whole mess in the Middle East, the so-called Arab Spring, wasn't some wonderful hope for democracy. It was kicked off by a massive increase in the price of bread in Tunisia. And the street vendor lit himself on fire. But it wasn't just him. It was everybody was really upset. Why was the price of bread so high? And bread is a staple food in that area, right? Why had that price gone up? It had gone up because the desert had moved 100 miles south and wiped out hundreds of millions of acres of farmland. And so the price of food went up. As the price of food went up, all these countries across northern Africa became destabilized. And people died. Literally millions of people have died now as a result of climate change. And the United States has spent, you know, according to Donald Trump, $7 trillion, according to the Pentagon, $5.6 trillion on, on stupid and unnecessary wars in that region, responding to conflicts that in many cases started with climate change. And meanwhile, we got fossil fuel billionaires and their companies accumulating money faster than we ever thought possible. And they're spending, you know, they're, they're literally making billions and they're spending millions to buy politicians and to buy public opinion. When, when the Washington state, just north of me here, tried to pass a carbon tax last year, uh, it was on the November ballot, they had this old Republican Secretary of State who looks like Mr. Rogers. What a nice guy. He talks real nice. Never mentioned he was a Republican. Never once. And, and said, oh, this, this giant tax is open-ended. These panels are going to spend the money and they're not going to tell you how. And it was, these essentially lies from the fossil fuel industry. Fear-mongering. Incomplete data at the very best. And they spent a few million bucks here and there doing these kind of things, these kind of lies on TV. People voted down the carbon tax so they can continue making their profits and continue destroying the earth. We have to deal with climate change as if it was a moral crime. We have to strip any vestige of respectability from any politician who denies climate change is happening. We have to strip all of the subsidies from the fossil fuel industry. We're supporting this industry to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars a year just in the United States, trillions of dollars a year worldwide. We're supporting this industry that is killing the planet and us. And we need to immediately tax carbon while rolling out a new Green New Deal. I think it is time to panic. I agreed with David Wallace Wells. His point is that in cancer research, when they discover that, for example, uh, the, the nitrosamines that are formed in, in processed luncheon meats cause cancer, and if you eat you know, processed luncheon meats, you're more likely to have cancer, they don't roll that information out and say, but there are some people who disagree, and we're not really sure how bad it is. No, they just say, here's the science. Climate change is the only area where everybody's been hedging their, their rhetoric. Why? Because they're afraid of the money of these industries. This is incredible. This is from the Financial Times. Janet Yellen, the last chair of the Federal Reserve, right? one of the smartest economists in the world prior to leaving her position, one of the most powerful and, and morally still one of the most powerful. Janet Yellen and all four still living former chairs of the Federal Reserve. That is, five people setting aside the guy who's running it right now. I don't know what, he, we don't know what his position is. But Janet Yellen and the four Fed chairs before her who are still alive. These are people who were chair, she was a chairwoman, all the rest of them were men. Chairman of the Fed going all the way back to the Carter administration. Maybe to Jerry Ford. All of them explicitly and publicly support a carbon tax right now to save the world and to save the economy. All of them. And 30 Nobel Prize economists and all but one of the former chairs of the White House, again, going back to, to Carter, Ford, Reagan, God only knows how, how long they're still alive. But if you look at the White House Council of Economic Advisors, with only one exception, 
Every single former chair of the White House Council of Economic Advisors supports a carbon tax right now. Janet Yellen said we would impose a tax on goods entering the country from localities with less ambitious climate change policies or lower carbon taxes from places that have lower carbon taxes. So this would offset the environmental loss that would come from shifting production to places that generate more greenhouse gas emissions. It would also level the playing field competitively. And we think that a set of border tax adjustments would also encourage other countries to come into compliance and join the club of countries imposing carbon taxes. This is just like simple, simple stuff. This is not super complex. It's sort of like, you know, earlier I was saying, You know, we know from the experience of the GI Bill back in the 1950s and 60s that for every dollar you invest in educating somebody, every federal dollar, tax dollar that you spend educating somebody at the college level, you make back $7 over their lifetime that you wouldn't have had otherwise in tax income because they have higher income. Free college pays for itself. We know that Medicare for all pays for itself. It cuts 20% off the top of all of our expenses. Or not necessarily pay for itself, but save us money. Save us, you know, as much as a trillion dollars a year. These are not complex things. And when it comes to climate change, taxing carbon, I mean, you want to move to a carbon-free economy? Let's wake up to this stuff. Let's pay attention to this. Let's be smart. Let's put together a carbon tax. And let's actually, yes, say it is time to panic. We do have a crisis on our hands. And it's not on our southern border. It has to do with the amount of carbon dioxide and methane that is in our atmosphere, along with a few other chemicals that are greenhouse gas chemicals. And we have to do something about this. If we fail to do something about this, our children, our grandchildren, and we ourselves, those of us who are young enough to plan on still being alive in 30, 40 years, may well be living in a world in which we literally do not have what we call civilization right now. This is an existential emergency. We do need to respond to it. And we need to make sure that it plays a prominent role in the politics as we lead into this presidential election. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Everyone's talking about the decline in stock values over the last few months. If you've been listening to Lynette Zhang's YouTube show, you probably aren't surprised by the fall. Her fact-based research on markets, currencies, and economics is second to none. And her presentations have pointed to most every major downfall we've recently seen in the U.S. economy. Her video titled Just Before the Crash showed people the exact patterns to look out for and now has over 210,000 views and counting. Lynette Zhang has been on my show and works with my friends at ITM Trading. I highly recommend looking them up as they are pioneers in creating wealth protection strategies with gold and silver. If you're a strategic investor looking to protect your wealth or just hedge against the most volatile markets since 2007, then call my friends at ITM Trading at one own gold Ask for their free gold protection guide and join the top 1% who are now accumulating very specific types, dates, and qualities of physical gold and silver. Call 1-888-OWN-GOLD. That's 1-888-O-W-N-G-O-L-D. Elaine Parker is on the line with us. She is the president of Job Creators Network Foundation. JobCreatorsNetwork.com is the website. You can tweet her at JobCreatorsUSA. Elaine, welcome to the program. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. Sure. So tell me, what is your objection to this? Well, when we looked at this new green deal, we actually saw it as a green raw deal. This is something that is going to absolutely devastate our economy and our job creators. And, How? you know, you talk about increasing... Well, hang on, hang on just a second. Let, if I may, I'm not going to talk over you through the whole thing here, but, you know, sure. concatenate things. Let's just take them one at a time. You said this is going to devastate our economy and it's going to devastate our job creators. Jobs are created by aggregate demand, as any first-year econ student can tell you. So the job creators in the United States are the consumers who are buying things which means basically the bottom 90% of Americans. And you say it's going to devastate our economy. How? How is it that if we hire a million people to put solar panels on people's roofs, that's going to devastate our economy? I don't get it. So this is government-generated demand. And when you look at the current demand we have, it's free market demand. The types of policies that we've seen over the last two years from tax cuts to deregulation. I mean, we have a booming economy, 
And just for 2018, I mean, we grew at 3%. We haven't seen that kind of growth in years. We had anemic growth under the Obama administration. That's simply not true, Elaine, and you know that. We had quarters that were over 4% during President Obama's time. But without wandering into these partisan things, I'm still baffled. Dwight Eisenhower really put the economy on steroids by investing in the national highway system. We built roads all across the country. For every dollar that we spent on the national highway system, we've probably made, you know, estimates are all over the map, but at least $60 in additional tax revenue. And some are suggesting over $1,000 in additional tax revenue over the lifetime in the 50, 60 years since that was built. You know, the same thing with the Hoover Dam, another big giant, you know, government project. The same thing with the Rural Electrification Administration. The same thing with the Rural Telophonia administration. None of these things were because some billionaire decided to do them. They were all, these were all public works projects. These were all investments that produced a return. You mentioned the tax cuts. You know, we borrowed one and a half trillion dollars and gave it to the billionaires and the corporations who took a trillion of it and used it just for stock buybacks, which is basically just sticking the money in their own pockets. That was a scam. This sounds to me like an investment. I don't get how this hurts the economy. What am I missing here? Well, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was actually an investment in the American people, and we're seeing it in states right now. We've seen just in January 304,000 jobs were created. No, I get it. The the Obama boom is continuing. It's been going on for 10 years. But what does building green technology in America, how does that damage our economy? Tom, if I may, there's a very clear inflection point when President Trump was elected and the policies of the administration. The most untold story out there is the deregulation that this administration has done. And that as just- Elaine, letting the Koch brothers dump more poison into our air might make more profit for Koch Industries, but I don't see that as a good thing. And these tax cuts, I mean, this is the exact same thing that Ronald Reagan did. You give me a trillion and a half dollars on a credit card that my children are gonna have to pay for, and I can show you what it looks like to live large. That's what Donald Trump just did. And you're bragging about that? Let me tell you who we represent. We represent Main Street small businesses. There's 30 million of them out there, and they employ 60 million people. They are the largest job creators responsible for this economy. They create two-thirds of all new jobs. And our members are telling us what they're doing with their tax cuts. They're not buying yachts. They're not going on vacations. They are increasing their wages. They're paying bonuses. Elaine, I thought that we were talking about the Green New Deal. And part of the Green New Deal is not even stopping the $300 billion a year in subsidies in welfare that we give to Coke Industries and BP and Shell and Halliburton and all these other fossil fuel companies. But if, you know, whether it were or not, I still have not heard from you how having the government even borrow money and spend it into the economy in a way that's going to convert us from a fossil fuel dependent economy to one that's running on nuclear power, basically the nuclear fusion of the sun, 93 million miles away. Why that is going to harm our economy or small businesses. I mean, if suddenly there's demand for, if I can have solar panels on my house, you know, if I was looking to start a business, I'd start a business installing solar panels. Seems to me like a huge amount of opportunity. Well, I find it amazing that, you know, there are people who are willing to borrow money for this type of investment, but they're not willing to borrow money to invest in our job creators. You just borrowed a trillion and a half dollars to give to the billionaires that you're calling job creators. I get that. So so more than 80% of the tax cuts went to middle class. The average family is going to save $3,000 a year in taxes. Elaine, nobody's buying that and people are seeing their tax returns, but we're not talking about tax cuts here. We're talking about the Green New Deal. No, we're talking about an investment in our country. And the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was absolutely an investment in our country. And we're seeing it in spades. And we're seeing tax revenues go up. And we're seeing jobs be created. As a matter of fact, we're seeing wages go up more than they have in over a decade. And the reason for that is because the demand for labor is so high. There are more jobs out there than people to fill them. As I said, give me a trillion and a half dollars on my children's credit card and I'll show you what it looks like to live large. But again, why are you opposed to the Green New Deal? The cost of the New Green Deal is estimated to cost more than Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and our entire military budget. And so we poll a thousand people a week and we ask them if they favor that kind of spending or they oppose it. 69% of them oppose it. 
they understand that that is not something that is sustainable. But we have sustained growth through economic prosperity Elaine, and why? job creation. That's what this economy needs. How, how, we are seeing fantastic how, economic results. Yeah, right. So you don't have a reason why the Green New Deal is going to hurt the economy other than the fact that it's very expensive. You're perfectly happy to borrow a total of about $30 trillion. If you take the Reagan tax cut, the Bush tax cut, the Trump tax cuts, those three tax cuts have borrowed over $30 trillion and put it on the national credit card, about $22 trillion of it on the national credit card. And that's fine with you, apparently. Until a Democrat becomes president, then all of a sudden Republicans start screaming about the national debt. But after we came out of World War II, Elaine, let me just make one quick point, and you can respond to it as long as you want. After we came out of World War II, the debt-to-GDP ratio in the United States was 129%. Our debt was 129% of GDP, highest it's ever been. Right now, it's in the neighborhood of 100%. The way that Dwight Eisenhower, the Republican president, got us out of the tail end of the Great Depression after World War II was he borrowed more money to build an interstate highway system. He put us further into debt, and within a decade, that thing had virtually completely paid itself back, and it has been making money for us ever since. Why would solarizing the United States, getting us off an addiction to the fossil fuels that are killing our planet, and going to a cleaner form of energy, not do the same thing? What am I missing here? What you're missing here is that these are not any new ideas. These are the same failed socialistic policies that we've seen in the past. There's nothing new here. Okay, so you want to end socialism. So do you want to to start by ending the interstate highway system? Do you want to end Social Security? I mean, if you hate socialism and you think socialism has failed, where do we start? Do we do away with our socialist fire departments? Tom, what I'm looking at is the results of this economy. We have an economy that's grown at twice the rate of I get you love the economy and that you hate socialism. And Elaine, we have a minute and a half left. If you want to de-socialize America, if you want to strip socialism out of the United States, where do you want to start? Do you want to end Social Security? Tom, that's not the point. We have... Do you want to end Medicare? No, Tom. Do you want to turn our our federal highway system into toll roads? ...a system that allows people to grab their piece of the American dream... And if you have a government that comes in and takes over industries like our energy industry, like our transportation system... That's not part of the Green New Deal. Absolutely. That's a a complete BS canard that they talk about on Fox News as if it's real, but it's not real. There's nothing in here that says the federal government is taking over our energy system. Nothing. It says that everyone's going to have a guaranteed job. We're going to have free education for life. We're all going to get a house. And we're all going to get free money whether we're unable or unwilling to work. Okay, the government is the employer of last resort is what FDR did, and it worked. He put millions of people back to work and got us out of the Great Depression. It says that everyone will get a guaranteed government job. It says that everyone's going to get free money, even if they're unwilling to work. That should give us great pause. But let me say one thing in our last few seconds. The one thing that I appreciate about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is that she is being completely honest about what she wants to do with this country. And we are happy to have that debate. She is one of the few politicians that that is honest with people about where they're taking us. Because I believe the American people reject this wholeheartedly. Okay. Elaine Parker, president of the Job Creators Network Foundation, jobcreatorsnetwork.com. You can tweet her at jobcreatorsusa. Elaine, thank you for dropping by today. Thanks, Tom. It's been a spirited conversation. I appreciate it. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Well, that was entertaining. (laughs) David in Canterbury, Connecticut. Hey, David, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, a long-time socialist, occasional caller. Thank you. Very, very excited about Bernie getting in the race. Uh, What's happening already, Tom, on the first day is the uh, African-American conservative class is dismissing Bernie already as not being... uh, uh, tuned in enough to the African-American problems. And, and you tie that in 
you were talking about FDR today, and I said, oh, my God. He said, I was thinking about that when I called, and you came on with the FDR stuff. I love it. I, I, I love FDR. But if you tie this to what I originally just said when I came on, back to the history of FDR, and people are getting hip to this, Tom, while he did win big in big elections, a lot of black folks didn't vote or couldn't vote. And some of the reasons they didn't vote, Tom, is because they, they didn't get in the Social Security system. Eighty percent of the blacks in, in Alabama were not in the Social Security system. Uh, farmers. There and, were and, and, there and were no people. there were no racial restrictions on that. You know, in fact, in June of '41, uh, Franklin yeah. Roosevelt signed Executive Order 8802, which created the yeah. Fair Employment Practices Committee. It was the first time in federal law that yeah. uh, you know it said the order stated that the federal government could not hire any person based on race, color, creed, or national origin. Millions of African Americans and women achieved better result, uh, better jobs as a result. If you look at what he did, what he actually did. By 1935, and this is from the Roosevelt Institute, by 1935, the WPA, the Works Progress Administration, was employing 350,000 African Americans annually, 15% of its total workforce. The Civilian Conservation Corps, the percentage of blacks, started at 3% in 1933. It was 11% by 1938. In, uh, by the time you know, it wrapped up in 1942, 350,000 African Americans working for the, uh, for the uh, CCC. The National Youth Administration, uh, FDR hired uh, more black administrators than any other New Deal agency. Black administrators had just literally did not even exist in the political power structures of the United States prior to the FDR presidency. Um, he had more than 300,000 African-American youth who were served by that agency. In, by, in 1934, the WPA inserted a clause in all government construction contracts establishing a quota for the hiring of black laborers based on the 1930 census. So the government had to, every contractor had to have a percentage of African-Americans working for them that was equal to the, Amer the percentage of African-Americans in the population. And as a consequence of that, this, this began a black middle class. I mean, it was, yes, we were still, you know, this was before Brown versus Board. We were still a segregated society. Uh, he was the first president to appoint an African-American as a federal judge. He was the first to promote a black man to the rank of brigadier general in the army. And, and he was called a traitor for this. He was, he, he was the first president, honest to God, the first president in the history of the United States to refer to lynching as murder. He called it, quote, that vile form of collective murder, was mercilessly attacked by Republicans for that. W.E.B. Du Bois uh, said, this is, quote, this is something that is sadly long overdue. Um, and in the 1936 convention, when Franklin Roosevelt was running for re-election the first time, at his insistence, and Eleanor actually gets a lot of credit for this, but at his personal insistence, it was the first time a specific African-American plank inserted into the party platform, 1936 FDR. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there was a lot wrong with race relations in the, in the United States in the 1930s and 40s. But, you know, FDR was not, you know, race was not invisible to him. Yeah, I'm talking about Social Security. I'm talking about the FHA. I'm talking about later on down the line, the, G the GI Bill. Oh, yeah, black people got screwed Party by all those things. I, I, I totally GI agree, Bill. David. But what does that have to do with, with uh, you know, on the one hand, F well, FDR, you know, the yeah, I agree with all that stuff that you're saying about FDR. But there were, there were problems. And black intellectuals today, uh, Tennessee Coates, I've been reading Tennessee Coates. He's been bringing this out. And people are going to start reading it, Tom. Yeah. All I'm saying is, is that Bernie needs to not make, the, make those same. Uh, it wasn't a mistake for, for FDR because... Uh, Black people didn't vote on mass. David, they, they I, you know, I, this this is well. We'll we'll just see how it's going to shake out. I'm, I, you know, I I just want the record to be at least semi straight here. Michael in St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, Michael, what's on your mind today? Yes, hi, Tom. Um, there is a new approach to Medicare for all that I learned about Sunday. Rosa Delaro of Connecticut and Jan Chankowski of Illinois have a bill named. The Medicare for America Act of 2018. I learned about this Sunday on Huffington Post in an article titled, Two Liberal Democrats Are Promoting a Twist on Medicare for All. In it, it would create a comprehensive government-run insurance program that would replace all insurance run by the government and private employers, uh, private insurance companies. The well, that's Medicare for all. 
Medicare for America. Who's who, who? I'm sorry. Who are the authors of this? Rosa Delaro of Connecticut and Jan Chantowski of. Oh, Illinois. so this is this is coming out of the House. So this is probably yeah. the House's version of of uh, the of Bernie's Medicare for All in the Senate. Uh, I don't know. I can't. Yeah, I know that they're that. trying to get them very, very close to each other so that they, you know, they, so when they go to conference committee, they can, they can clean it up really quickly. If, if it ever gets to conference committee. I mean, that assumes that Mitch McConnell allows a vote, which ain't going to happen. But the big difference here is that they're proposing it's a government-run comprehensive plan that would allow large insurance companies to continue to offer to their employees the private insurance uh, they believe, Rosa and Jan believe, that uh, it would be more palatable to those 160 million who have that insurance that they could opt out of Medicare for America plan mm. and continue with their company-provided insurance plan with the idea that over time these employees would see that the Medicare for America plan is more beneficial and more cost well, that was the idea of the public option. When you know, if if it wasn't for Joe Lieberman, we would have had a public option in Obamacare. And if we had a public option, people could say, okay, you know, I'll buy this insurance policy from from uh, Aetna, or I'll buy the you know the Medicare as as the public option. And obviously, Medicare doesn't carry that twenty to twenty five percent profit overhead that these uh, so called health insurance company banksters do. So you know, yeah, Michael, thanks for the tip on that. You're listening to Tom Hartman. My friends at X-Chair are at it again, constantly tinkering to make an already superior product even better so you can work in even more comfort and be that much more productive. Now you can enhance your X-Chair's performance and protect your floors with incredible X-Wheel blade casters. These urethane wheels are driven by butter-smooth, whisper-quiet ball bearings and are built to last. As if the X-Chair isn't comfortable enough, now you can add a set of X-Wheels and take your performance to the next level. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option and pay as little as $30 a month. Seriously, for less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee, you can take your comfort and productivity into the stratosphere by getting yourself an X-Chair. X-Chair is on sale now for $100 off. Just go to xchairtom.com now. That's xchairtom.com or call 1-844-4X-Chair. X-Chair comes with a 30-day, no questions asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. Go to xchairtom.com now and use the code TOM for a free footrest. That's xchairtom.com, xchairtom.com. Joe in Tucson, Arizona. Hey, Joe, what's up? Tom, I just want you to know, I'll start off, you guys are the best. Um, Thank that's you. First it's a team effort here. So David Pakman, he had a great a little clip on his site, and it was how liberals can pay for all this free stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just six things, and he had a bunch more on there. Man, this topic is going to be heavy coming up here, because this is, it's on right now, but well, first of all, how he, he defined it, it was we need to come up with uh, $1.4 trillion and a little bit of change. So $1.2 trillion for Medicare is what we need. Tuition-free, he's got it billed out at $80 billion a year. Paid family leave, maternal and paternal. That's thirty-two billion a year. Social yeah. Security. Joe, expansion. Joe, as, you know when you start reading lists like this, people's eyes just glaze over. Um, oh, okay. And, and I, well, I, I realize I'm guilty of the same thing just a few minutes to, ago, but but um, you, to you the point. The Bush tax cuts, reverse the Trump tax cuts, stop the wars, carbon tax at seventy-three bucks a ton. Yeah, and put a, and 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 bring back the stat tax, the securities transaction ex, uh, excise tax, the tax He's on Wall Street. He's got all that on there, Tom. He's got a whole bunch. Oh, I know. But, I'm uh, I'm, just, I'm familiar with it. It's not unique to David. It's it's you know a whole and uh, who's a great guy and does a great show. But there there are a bunch of great economists who have been laying this stuff out for some time. And you're absolutely right, Joe. It's easy to pay for these things. And not only that, over time they pay back more money than they cost. You know, the only things that don't are tax cuts and war, which is, you know, what the Republicans are all about, right? They have two things, the Republicans. Well, well, three, tax cuts, war, and subsidies for the fossil fuel industry. None of those things grow the American economy. None of those things help our country. I think the Democrats are in a pretty good position right now. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Kino in Lakeland, Florida. Hey, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching Free Speech TV. Hello, remember, this is Keith.
Dino, the moose herder from Lakeland, Florida. Okay. We were talking about the past of those. We've got to talk about the future, the coming political struggle in this United States. There's got to be some Republican senators that join to cooperate with Democrats. We need a name to rally around. Now, I've written letters to the editor in my local paper. I'm suggesting moose herders in honor of Teddy Roosevelt. They can choose their own name. But I need Democrats that want to help us Republicans that want to cooperate with Democrats to come up with a rallying name, which I suggest to be moose herders, or they can choose. Help me in that if you can. The other thing, I need Democrats to start talking about Nordic capitalism as an example that this country can follow. Uh, it's all this hoorah about socialism is getting us off the path. And I, in the last week or two on some political talk show, somebody was talking about we got to talk about Nordic Capitalism. That's a good example, point. You know, that's a good safety net. Their their businesses are free to not have to take care of health care, so they can compete in the world, and then they pay taxes that provide a good safety net. So uh, please, Democrats, join in, uh, push for the those Republicans that will cooperate with Democrats to work around Trump. Now we may need to all work together to get rid of him after Mueller's uh, comes out. But we've got to have a name, a rallying point, and may I suggest it be the Moose Herders uh, in sure. honor of Teddy Roosevelt. The Bull Moose Party was sort of sexist to say Bull Moose. We've got to be more inclusive, so we say Moose Herders. What do you think, Tom? I think you've given a lot of thought to this, Kino, and I tip my hat to you. question I have for you, I mean, you're the eternally optimistic Republican, which really amazes me. You said that Democrats need to work with Republicans who are willing to work for essentially progressive goals. Can you name even one Republican who has been elected at a national level who qualifies? All right. There's a college professor down here in Lakeland, Florida, Florida Southern Political Science. He agrees with me that Mitt Romney has the potential to be that leader, whether he will or not. But with encouragement, Mitt Romney, who was a governor of a liberal state, and it was the tax plan, health care plan they used, he potentially, I was on C-SPAN with Ro Khanna two weeks ago on February 6th. I made a national announcement to invite Mitt Romney to be the leader of the Republican senators who will cooperate Democrats to get us on a better path. I called Romney's office afterwards and I said, look, I'm calling for you to join and be the leader of these Republicans that will get rid of this madness of Donald Trump being the leader, leading us in on the wrong path. So I have invited on national and television yet, and, yet, Kino, and now on your program for Mitt Romney. Yeah, but, but Kino, Mitt Romney has voted several times with Donald Trump on these very contentious issues. I mean, he's he's rolled over. He, he when he was when he wanted to be Secretary of State, he went down and groveled, you know, at, at Mar-a-Lago, and Trump made fun of him. I mean, you, you really think that Romney has any scruples at all? Well, I think he wants to make a name in history for himself. Oh, I get that. I think he thinks that God intends for him to be president. But we can help him by understanding it needs to involve cooperating with Democrats and let's come up with a rallying name for them. Okay, well, good luck, Keno. Keep us, keep us up to date on how it's going. And if you find even one more Republican, I'm still skeptical about Romney, then uh, I'd love to hear about it. James in Mineola, Texas. Hey, James, what's up? Last week I heard y'all talking about the deficit is $22 trillion, right? Yeah. So if it's $22 trillion and Trump is such an idiot, all the stuff you guys were saying last week, and Bernie Sanders comes on this week talking about all this free stuff, how does all that get paid for? Well, part of that $22 trillion is the expenses that are associated with Medicare, Medicaid, medical expenses, and things like that. If you had Medicare for all, first of all, all of us will save about a trillion dollars a year collectively some of that savings is going to accrue to the federal government. So Medicare for all is actually going to lower the national debt, number one. Number two, with regard to education, we know from the GI Bill that for every dollar that we spent educating young men who came back and women who came back from World War II, for every dollar we spent on the GI Bill, we made $7 in additional tax income from out of them, you know, taxes that they paid through the course of their lifetime because they had higher incomes because they had a, a decent education. So Medicare for all saves money, doesn't cost money. Free college education not only saves money, it's a massive investment in the future of this country. And the Green New Deal is just a reboot, basically, of what FDR did. Instead, of, you know, what FDR did was he put people to, to work, and what Dwight Eisenhower, the Republican, did, put 
people to work building an interstate highway system, put people to work building the Hoover Dam, put people to work with the REA and, and the RTA, the Rural Electrification and Rural Telephony Administrations, you know, running electricity and telephone lines out into rural areas. All of those things, every single one of those things produced multiples of income compared to their cost. Every single one of those were investments. The places where we get screwed, James, the places where when we increase our deficit, when we spend government money and it doesn't produce a return, George W. Bush's tax cuts and Donald Trump's tax cuts, those three, just those three tax cuts over the period of time since Reagan started, in aggregate are over $30 trillion. In other words, there would not only be no deficit whatsoever, we would have a massive surplus, which arguably would be a bad thing for the country because people wouldn't be able to buy treasury bonds. But in any case, that's where your debt is. So number one, that's the worst and most wasteful way. And the second is military spending. You spend a trillion dollars on the military and you build a bunch of bombs and you go drop them on some country, you're not going to make a penny off that. I mean, the military contractors can take some money to the bank, but basically as a country, we are made poorer by military spending. The Republicans are prioritizing tax cuts and military spending, which make us poorer. And the Democrats are prioritizing these investments, which will make us richer. James, thanks for the call. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. Jeff in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind today? Thanks for listening to X-Ray FM. Hey, thank you, Tom. Good morning and uh, great show uh, as usual. And thanks for taking my call. Um, with Bernie announcing his candidacy, I believe it's a great day in our struggle to restore democracy to America. And uh, that Robert Reich piece you mentioned in Guardian, it's titled, Can Bernie Sanders Repeat His Surprising Success This Time Around? And Professor Reich makes the obvious, um, but I think well worth repeating point that Trump was a, was, uh, quote, a Trojan horse for the same oligarchy he condemned, unquote. Correct. Bernie... And Bernie, on the other hand, Tom, as we here in your community all knew and many others now know, Bernie's the real deal. And with all due respect to Elizabeth Warren, I believe he's by far the one candidate the oligarchs and Trump fear the most. And therefore, in my opinion, um, I think Bernie, he, I'm sure he knows he, that w- what was true for FDR in 36 will be true for him when FDR said quote, never before in all our history have these forces been so united against one candidate as they stand today, unquote. It's in the so, 360, Sean. Let me, let me, I have just, okay, to give yeah. you a treat here, Jeff. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. Never before in all our history have these forces been so united against one candidate as they stand today. They are unanimous in their hate for me, and I welcome their hatred. There you go. Back to you, Jeff. <laughs> That's great, Tom. Yeah, and, and, and I, I hope Bernie embraces that just as enthusiastically as FDR did. And um, having said that, you know, the answer to Robert Reich's question, can Bernie repeat his surprising success this time around, I say, hell yeah. He can, and hell yeah, we can. And my question to you, the earlier caller who suggested Stacey Abrams as his running mate, that sounds good to me. And he wouldn't have to even wait till after the primaries if he wanted to do that, would he? No. He could announce a, a running mate anytime he wants. It's just, I don't think it's ever been done before the convention. What fascinated me was Nicholas from Mexico who called and pointed out that AMLO, the the new president of Mexico, as part of his campaign strategy, announced who was going to be in his cabinet. And that shifted the conversation to who are all these cool people. And this isn't something to do before the primary, right? This is something to do after the primary when we have a Democratic candidate. And that Democratic candidate, and I think that's an absolutely brilliant strategy, that Democratic candidate then says, then comes out and says, okay, you know, I'm going to, um, you know, put Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in charge of fill in the blank, right? Or, you know, you could just go through the list of, you know, so you know what you're getting. I mean, if Donald Trump had said that he was going to have a cabinet made up of of right-wing billionaires, I think a lot of people who voted for him wouldn't have voted for him because they believed he was going to raise taxes on billionaires and hurt his own class. And instead, what he did is he stocked the cabinet with billionaires and lobbyists. 
Yeah, great point. And like like Robert Reich said, it's you, the the quintessential Trojan horse of a candidate. Yeah. Hey, and Tom, Tom, next time he talks to Nicholas, ask him to talk about the uh, female, the new female mayor of Mexico City. She's still, uh, supposed to be a super progressive too. Yes, I've, I I saw a clip of her on TV a couple of months ago that was just amazing. Or I'll try to remember. <laughs> Jeff, thanks a lot. When was the last time you replaced your toothbrush? Do you always brush twice a day for a full two minutes? You know, paying attention to these good habits has a huge impact on your health. Introducing Quip, it's spelled Q-U-I-P, the new electric toothbrush that helps to fix the brushing habits that most of us get wrong. Quip does this with a lightweight and sleek design, simple time vibrations, and guiding pulses to give you a perfect two-minute clean. Bulkier electric brushes have awkward charging stands, modes you don't need, and cost five times as much. Quip starts at just $25, and you can get brush head refills automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended three-month schedule for only five bucks, and shipping's free. Quip has been featured in GQ, Oprah's O-List, and Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of the year. So go to getquip.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M, right now and get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Tom. It's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash T-H-O-M. Getquip.com slash Tom. You're listening to Tom Hartman. John in Lexington, Illinois. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching Free Speech TV. Just had an idea on the green energy, the Green New Deal. Mm-hmm. What we don't think about is the advent of 10 years in the future and the technology upgrades that we could have. I read an article in uh, Science Digest about roadways that were actually solar collectors. Yes. And imagine the construction jobs, imagine the different infrastructure that could happen in America if we just advanced our technology and corporations use their money for R&D instead of reinvesting. Yeah, you know, it was a giant socialist program sending a man to the moon that John Kennedy kicked off. He didn't live to see it, but, you know, it happened in less than a decade, as he as he called for. Uh, it was that exactly. giant socialist program of sending a man to the moon that brought us all kinds of technological innovations. You know, the integrated circuit, Velcro. I don't know if it brought us tang or not, but I mean, all kinds. I, there was it was just a major innovation. A lot of innovation came along from that kind of thing, and it could come along from a Green New Deal too. John, excellent point. Very well said. Thank you, Ken. Watching us on Free Speech TV in Great Falls, Montana. Hey, Ken, what's up? Hey, yeah, the Green New Deal. I think to start off with a really good program, we go back to the original New Deal, and we we look at the REA, the Rural Electrification Authority. We we totally electrified the rural America in 20 years using that. It was using co-ops and uh, government funding that totally paid for itself, too. Yes. We could do an FDA, Solar Electrification Authority, use the exact same mechanism. It, it, like this, the, the federal government would write itself a bond for $600 billion. It would buy solar equipment. You, as a homeowner, would join a local uh, co-op, solar, solar co-op. They would put the stuff on your roof, and the $100 or $70 you pay every month for electricity would go to that co-op to pay off the stuff. Right. This whole thing would pay for itself. It would work. People would see it works, and it's totally American. Right, so and, and by the way, Germany did this a decade ago. Yeah. <laughs> we, did it, we did it 50 years ago, too. You're right. The REA, the exact same You're right. Thing. And we did it. We did it again with the RTA, the Rural Tele- Telephony, right. Telephony, however you say it, administration. Um, you know, exactly. bringing telephone lines to, to rural areas. Yeah, and and uh, exactly. and and we've done it over the years with you know uh, septic systems, water systems. I mean, you know, yeah. utilities. I mean, this is uh, you know people keep saying this is not rocket science. This is very straightforward stuff. The objection to it is the billionaire class and in particular the fossil fuel funded billionaire class when you know the Koch brothers obviously you know they inherited a fossil fuel empire from daddy and built it into a much larger fossil fuel and now widely diversified empire and uh and and they're one of the major funders of the republican party and 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 they and their buddies major funders of these right-wing think tanks that pop up under all kinds of weird names and I have no idea what the funding is for the, the woman who was on earlier, but um, it's like they, they just really, really, really don't want those subsidies for the fossil fuel industry to go away. Ken, thanks a lot for the call. Mike in Lomita, California, listening on KPFK. Hey, Mike, what's up? 
Yeah, just going through the incredible load of junk email, and there was one from the Sierra Club urging people to use the number they provide and to uh, call their senator's office uh, and ask the senator to be a co-sponsor of the Green New Deal bill to uh, mm-hmm. head off uh, Mitch McConnell's ploys. And uh worked really well. It was well-received by Senator Feinstein's rep, and uh, unfortunately I had to you know, call on my own for the second senator because they kept sending me back to Feinstein. But everyone that wants mm-hmm. a Green New Deal, get on the phone, call your senator. There you go. And the telephone number is 202-225-3121 is the uh, number for the congressional switchboard. And uh, you just tell them, you know, if, you, if you're not even sure who your senators are and the, the Senate is, you know, where Mitch McConnell's going to hold this vote. And he's and he's doing it to try to try to uh, he thinks it's going to shame Democrats or create a schism within the Democratic Party or some kind of BS like that. But, um, you know, get get your Democratic senators on board. And if you're not sure who your Democratic senators are, when you call 202-225-3121, just tell them what state you're in and they'll tell you who your senators are. And Republican senators as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every single person listening to the sound of my voice should be doing this today. Mike, thank you. Thanks for listening to KPFK, and thanks for the call. And good on you for calling your senators. Uh, Richard, watching Free Speech TV in Calumet, Michigan. Hey, Richard, you wanted to bounce back to the Green New Deal? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I got to revise because some of my wind got pulled out of my sails. A lot, a lot of people had some really good uh, uh, stuff to say. But that gentleman that attacked you, I, I, those people disgust me. I live in an area, I'm on disability, and I live in an area where we pay over 30 cents a kilowatt hour for power. Whoa. And they just invested a bunch of money on these gas generators that make our power up here. And and they're they're crazy noisy, and instead of taking that money and spending it on solar panels or windmills in Calumet, Michigan, I mean you're in an area you've got a lot you got a lot of wind yeah, a lot Lake of the time. Superior. Yeah, Lake Superior. It, it, it's and, and and the climate change problems are very prevalent up here. We've gotten more snow this year than we've gotten in a long time, and the lake's already basically frozen. Yeah, thirty cents and, a kilowatt hour is nuts. I mean, it's, oh, it's horrible. And 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 Upco won't even if you put solar panels on your house, they will not pay you back for extra powers. So if you put these on, the best thing you can do is is literally go off the grid. Yeah, yeah. Because they 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 don't care, yeah. and they'll cut you off. And they're foreign owned too. Oh, really? Who owns who yes. owns your power company? I believe it's a company in Europe. I don't want to say for sure because yeah. I, 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 you hear varying stories, but yeah. I know for sure that they're for, even our water is foreign owned. Wow. And wow. we live on Lake Superior, the largest supply of fresh water in the, world. in the United States, pretty much most of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Uh, Richard, thank you for the call. And, and uh, yeah, amen. Timothy in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Timothy, what's up? Hey, Tom, how you doing? Good. What's on your mind? Good. Uh, so I just wanted to talk more about the Green New Deal. I know you guys probably went over it uh, over a fine-tooth comb already, but uh, I just wanted to put my two cents in it, and uh, I don't think it goes far enough in my my opinion. So what would you do beyond what, what is in the proposal? Well, I would stop all subsidies that goes towards animal agriculture. I think they're one of the leading industries that produces a massive amount of pollution. I agree. I agree. I mean, they waste grains to feed the livestock. They waste over 30% of uh, Earth's land mass alone. Right. Right. They waste water. Yep. Water. And not only that, people eating the products of animal agriculture are killing the people. I mean, it's like, come on. This is, it's like, amazing. Timothy, thanks a lot for the call. Spot on. So let's check in with Talk Media News and find out what's going on in the world today. This report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and Loving What You Do, Alan Ratner's new book. So what's going on in the world? Thank you. Okay, well, Trump and California are fighting again. Uh, California, uh, Gavin Newsom said that he was canceling the bullet train between L.A. and San Francisco, but now the Trump administration wants to take 
almost three and a half billion dollars, a billion dollars in federal funding, and then they pay back another, they want them to pay back another two and a half billion dollars. That's three and a half billion dollars for California, and Gavin Newsom doesn't really know what to do with that, but that's going on. Okay, also, the Iranian foreign minister is visiting China. Why am I not surprised? And of course, the issue is oil, and that's why China's all over Africa, too. Yep. Yep, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's just staggering. Yes. They really want to take over the world. They're basically colonizing all over. The, I mean, we had a caller a few minutes ago from Missouri. I just who's, heard that. Yeah, right. her, her little town, uh, the Chinese have bought up a whole bunch of agricultural land, and they want to put in a 3,000 hog operation to grow hogs that they can then slaughter and ship the meat to China. Right? I mean, we right, used to do course. this to countries like Honduras. They're doing it to us. Right. They're doing it to us. Well, what goes around comes around. I, I guess so. Okay, so the ACLU goes to court in San Diego tomorrow on the family separation policy because, of course, as you know, the the White House separates families as a way of uh, decreasing people at the border, and they are basically going to court on that issue tomorrow. Good. So now... um, it's very interesting. It depends who you talk to. The White House refutes the fact that Kim Jong-un uh, will never give up his nuclear weapons. The White House is now saying that this is going to be verifiable. We'll see what happens on that front. But I'm not terribly hopeful of that. Yeah, Kim also just changed his foreign policy team a week before the meeting with Trump. So there's something going on there that has got a lot of people scratching their heads. Right. Now, also, the United Nations has said that people have, that children, migrant children coming across whatever border, it can be in Egypt, it can be anywhere in the world, uh, that they have what's called survival sex as a way of being able to, uh, to get across the border. And so they are basically sex slaves. And the United Nations came up with a report on this. And this is very, very interesting. That's very sad. Very, very sad. Ellen Ratner with Talk Media News. Ellen, you always do such a great job for us, and and your organization does as well. Thanks so much for what you're doing. Thank you so much. And thanks for GoatsForTheOldGoat.com, too. It's It's a great charity. got it. Thank you, Ellen. Hey, we have a whole bunch of special content just for our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash Tom Hartman, uh, T-H-O-M, Hartman with two N's. It includes uh, you know, the entire three hours of our program every day. The whole, the, the entire program is available there that you can watch on, on uh, basically uh, non-public YouTube uh, links. And also, we regularly put up new rants. The one I just did is about the Supreme Court. It's based in part on my book, Unequal Protection, and based in part on a book I'm writing, I'm working on right now in the Supreme Court, and in part just, you know, what what I know and you need to know about how the Supreme Court got as badly corrupted as it is. How did we get here, right? I mean, how did we end up with with a bunch of crazy right-wingers on the court? And what can we do about it? There actually are ways that we can address this problem of the corruption of the Supreme Court. So check it out, patreon.com slash Tom Harpin. Welcome back, Bill in Santa Maria, California. Hey, Bill, what's up? Tom, I love you. I'm progressive, but you know- But we disagree on nuclear power. I know that, Bill. Could you have one expert on James Hansen? He is for nuclear power 100%. This was the top guy, the guy that his reports went to the White House, and some clack in there changed them, you know, crossed out words, and and he was head of the NASA climate program. And I believe that uh, James Hansen still is supportive of nuclear power, and I continue to think that he's wrong. And I'd be glad to have him on the program. We've invited Hansen on the program many times. He hasn't shown up. Oh, dear. Okay, another guy, James Lovelock, the guy hypothesis. Yeah. That solved the ozone problem. Yeah. James James Lovelock figured out what was killing the ozone, chlorofluorocarbons. And uh, he's he's pro-nuclear. He offered to have the waste buried in his backyard. Yeah. See, I, um, I, I just, you know, it's not necessary, Bill. We already have a nuclear reactor. We've got this massive fusion reactor 93 million miles away from us. It's producing enough energy every hour to power the planet for a year. We don't. Right. 
need no i'm sorry you know it takes decades to build a nuclear power plant and and then and then it takes millennia to deal with the waste bill i'm just you know you and i are are just gonna have to disagree on this and i need to move along bill thanks for the call say hi to soon for me kurt in beverly hills california hey kurt what's up hey tom thanks for taking my call some guy tried to harangue you about buying an electric car right. and but not realizing that you already have one. Yeah. And, and I agree with you that not everyone in America can afford to go out and buy a Tesla, a $100,000 vehicle. Right, which That's is not what I have, by the way. I have a plug-in Toyota Prius hybrid. Because but, it's plug-in, I use maybe one gallon of gas every two months because 90% of the time I'm just driving on pure electricity. It's amazing. Okay, yeah. Right, but even there's still expensive cars, though, uh, unless you get like a really, really teeny-weeny one. Sure. And, you know, but, but, but the reason why I called was that you'd be surprised how much of the everyday paycheck of the American person does go to Koch Brothers Industry-owned companies and Alec Corporations. Alec affiliated corporations. Oh sure. I mean, we're talking Exxon Mobil, Chevron, uh, big box stores that I won't name, but they're open 24 hours and have these super centers that are gobbling up mom and pop stores all over America. You'd be shocked. For myself, my one-man war against the Koch brothers and the Republican funding machine is I decided to stop funding my own demise by dropping certain telecommunication companies that are Alec affiliated. I even refinanced my home, my mortgage, when I found out that a certain mortgage company uh, was owned, uh, was Alec affiliated. Hmm. I also stopped shopping at a retail shop where I was spending over $500 a month because that retail store has food, clothing, electronics, and everything. And most people in America probably shop at the same store. But when I learned that they were responsible for spearheading the Daniel Ground Law, the Jeb Bush signed into law back in, in the early uh, mid-2000s, yep. I stopped shopping at that retail store, yep. you know, because I realized I was giving 90% of my paycheck was going to support Republican-owned businesses. I encourage everyone to go to alecexposed.org, yep. uh, prwatch.org, or opensecrets.org, and look at how many companies that we spend our money with are going to Republican-owned businesses that have monopolies. Now, it's going to be hard to get away from them because companies like Charter Communications, they just gobbled up Time Warner Cable. Now, I was able to stay, I didn't mind staying with Time Warner back in 2016 because they had dropped Alec. So I said, okay, fine, I'll I'll go ahead and pay for the internet. But now Charter has bought up Time Warner and has jacked up their prices 300% on me. Oh man, this is happening all over the country, Kurt, and it's because actually of a policy the Supreme Court adopted in the 1970s based on an an idea that Robert Bork had, which is a longer discussion obviously than we have time for since we're just hitting the end of the show. But I will be getting into one of these days soon. I'm actually writing a book about that right now. Boy, amazing times. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same, same bat time, same bat channel. And in the meantime, don't forget, Democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. So please get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.